If I didn't say this earlier, I'll say it now. It's, it's great to see everyone here today. Uh, you all look really well rested. I think that's the secret here, isn't it? Um, I, I needed extra rest myself, honestly, after an amazing uh, last few days around here. Tent and treat. Oh, my goodness, this place was decked out. How many of you were here for tent and treat? It was, uh, it, uh, there were uh, almost 600 people uh, came through the doors. A lot of candy. Sorry, parents. Uh, was was given out, or maybe you're welcome, parents. I don't know. Wait, I, I got to teach my kids about tariffs and uh, candy imports and how we need to take. So, anyway, uh, but uh, uh, but but Ten Tree was followed right up with uh, an, an amazing, uh, uh, amazing food packing event yesterday, where we finished up. Uh, really an, uh, an outpouring of God's spirit just uh, as we finished up what we started a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning uh, doing a, a food pack event. That's what all these boxes are over here. This is, this is what we finished up doing yesterday to combine with what we started a few weeks ago. To, uh, th- this is the grand total, 63,498 people will be fed uh, through that. Uh, over four tons of food. Uh, really, we had hundreds of folks of all ages, preschoolers, uh, all the way up to, uh, I don't know if we had anybody over 90, but we could have. There was a, a place for them. Uh, but, uh, but just working alongside, having fun working alongside each other, being the hands and feet of Jesus. It, it was amazing. Uh, thank you so much to our mission team who helped to really, I mean, you facilitated a miracle. Uh, yesterday. So, so thank you. Uh, but, but that food pack was a part of our Days and Nights with Jesus series that we've been in for the last month. And I tell you, we have gotten a clearer picture of Jesus' heart and his character uh, through this series. Uh, so far, we've seen Jesus' heart for humble sinners in the night that Jesus trashed a party. We saw Jesus' uh, heart for uh, uh, people's spiritual as well as their physical well-being, uh, both insiders and outsiders in the day that Jesus fed the thousands. We saw Jesus' character on display the night that he asked the impossible uh, when he was very direct and truthful with a religious leader named Nicodemus uh, about the fact that he and all of us need to be born again, that we need to have our hearts cleansed and set on a new path. Uh, Jesus' heart for healing people was made evident in the night that, or the day that Jesus made trees walk. And, and last week, in the night that Jesus spooked his friends, uh, we saw that although following Jesus will sometimes lead us into the path of the storm, that he, he, his heart for us is to trust him and to not fear because he is with us. The God of the universe is with us. Now, today, we're going to get a clearer picture of Jesus' mission. Uh, of course, we'll see his heart and his character at work, too. But, but so, on some levels, I, I think that those of us here are listening on, online later or at dinner church tonight, I, I think that, that we're going to fall a little more in love with Jesus. But I just got to warn you, too. Uh, I, I, I think Jesus in, in, is wanting to stir things up a bit as we look at the day that he responded to grumbles. Uh, so let's, let's jump in. Our scripture passage today is from Luke chapter 15. And a side note, I was doing the math earlier, actually during the eight o'clock service, uh, that I've, I've been you know, preaching pretty much weekly uh, f- uh, since 2003. So about 16 years. And 
uh, looking through a lot of my notes, I found that, that I've preached on part of or all of Luke chapter 15 at least a dozen times. And, and this is, this, if, if this isn't my favorite chapter of the Bible, it's in the top three. It, it, it's really, really close. But every time I dive into this scripture, uh, as with most scriptures, something new. Like God speaks to me in a new and a fresh way. And, and so you're getting something new. Uh, this is something that I've used before. This is how God has spoken to me in this uh, over the last several weeks as I have prepared uh, for this Sunday. And I hope God's spirit speaks to you uh, as he has uh, to me in this. But let, I want to set the stage here. From what we've already seen about Jesus um, in the previous weeks, about his heart for people, uh, we know that Jesus really cares he really cares about people who are on the outside, uh, those who are beyond the religious establishment, those who recognize themself as, themselves as, as broken people, as, as sinners who, who need Jesus. And, and because of that, I, because of that, Jesus was a magnet, friends. He was a magnet for broken people. Sinners who, because of Jesus, now thought that maybe, just maybe, there was a chance for them. That, that they always felt like they were a long shot before, but now maybe, maybe, maybe God uh, cared about them. You know, it just got me reflect, reflecting that the way that we treat people, it really matters. It really does. And Jesus treated outwardly sinful people with dignity and respect, and they flocked to him. But not everybody was happy about that. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and the sinners, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This word muttered is translated um, into our English versions uh, a variety of ways. Uh, muttered uh, and complain, those are, are pretty common translations. But my favorite one that appears in a couple different translations is grumbled. They grumbled. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they grumbled. It reminds me of one of my favorite books, which I left on my desk again. Uh, it's, it's upstairs. Anyway, some of you are familiar. We bought these, uh, uh, several of these books for our kids when they were that age and uh, read these to them uh, multiple times. We, we all loved them. They were the, the uh, Little Mr. And, or, or Mr. Men and Little Miss books. Um, you, you know which ones I'm talking about. There's, there's this one where there's this purple blob with legs um, and little black eyes and a hat, and, and he's called Mr. Grumble. And in the book, it's really not the best story in the world, but, but he complains. Everything gets under his skin. He's irritated by everything, and it's always, bah, and then grumble, grumble, grumble. He grumbled all the time, and, and, and that word grumble, uh, conveys everything that, that was happening in this scripture passage. The, the religious leaders did not like what Jesus was doing, and they muttered, or they complained, or they grumbled, intentionally loud enough to be heard. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, there's lots of times where you're irritated, but, but when you're particularly irritated, 
you let it be known. It just comes out. And, and, and the people around you hear it. They know it. And, and these, these religious leaders, they weren't just upset that Jesus was a magnet for sinful people. They wanted him to know that they were upset. And Jesus responded to those grumbles with three back-to-back-to-back stories that teach us some deep truths about God's love, uh, about Jesus' mission, and about ourselves. And these stories are are powerful, powerful, although to to grasp really the depth of them, uh, you got to kind of be invited into some first-century ancient Near East culture uh, to kind of see everything that's going on. And unfortunately, I don't have the time to dig into all that, uh, but, uh, but I'm going to share some things. But there is so much more, so much more here that I would just invite you to uh, get out a really good study Bible and read these stories for yourself. Let them speak to you the way that God's Spirit can speak through his word. Uh, but, but here's what's going on and, and where, where we're going to go with this Uh, over the next few minutes. Jesus responded to these religious leaders' grumbles by telling them three stories about things that were lost. And and I believe that through these stories, Jesus identifies four different types of lostness, uh, as well as uh, clearly identifying his mission, which his followers, the church, are called to emulate. Um, and, and in fact, I'd encourage you to follow along in your message notes. There are some blanks in there that you can fill out about what these different types of lostness involve. But the first story, the first story was about a shepherd who had 100 sheep, and one of them was lost. Don't you just love sheep? I, I, I love sheep. There are a couple places, like on the roads out of Troy, that when we drive on them, we drive by some sheep. Uh, I don't know if you do this, but every time... Every time, it doesn't matter whether I'm by myself or with the kids uh, or we're together as a family, we just say, sheep. <laughs> There's something compelling about them. I just, we just love sheep. Look, sheep. And, and every time. But uh, in fact, would you just um, entertain me a little bit? Would, would you, could we just pretend that we're sheep today? Uh, just in, the, in this way. In fact, I want you to kind of practice. It is preschool Sunday. All right. Uh, <laughs> Could you just turn to somebody next to you and say, you look beautiful today. Can you, can you do that? Come on, I'm listening. I don't know. Beautiful. That's how it goes. You, you have to know you all are the best looking sheep that I've seen in a really, really long time. Uh, but, but in Jesus' day, as well as in many parts of the world today, uh, you, you all, sheep that is, uh, were especially valuable. In, in fact, for that time period, a, a hundred sheep was a, a pretty good-sized flock. Uh, that could sustain uh, a family or a community for quite some time. Sheep were so valuable because they could do that. Uh, they, they provided ev- all the most basic needs uh, if tended well. They provided meat. They provided drink. They provided uh, their hide for a variety of different things, including their wool for clothes, um, not to mention how much these types of commodities could bring in barter and trade with other peoples. Uh, sheep were so valuable because they provided all of these needed things and they could reproduce. So if tended and cared for well, managed and preserved, they could grow and support you financially for life, for generations, potentially. 
at the same time, sheep were very hard to manage. Uh, Sheep aren't the smartest animals. Uh, No offense, really. Um, So they they would require one or more shepherds um, to look after them. If left to themselves, sheep wouldn't survive long. They needed a shepherd to protect them from wild animals, and particularly uh, so that they didn't get lost as they tended very easily to wander from the flock. Now, why do they do that? Um, And here's, this is kind of the the background. This is the first type of lostness. Uh, So be ready to write this down. Sheep are easily preoccupied, mostly by food. Uh, We got a lot in common. Uh, Preoccupied by food. Sheep, sheep, uh, they prefer a flat or or slightly rolling uh, grazing grounds, and, and they'll nibble They'll nibble on plants all the way to their root. I mean, they'll just get all, all the way down. They're, they're great lawn killers, not lawn mowers, lawn killers. Uh, but but they, they look, and while they're eating their food, their head is not up, looking around where they're at. Their head is down. And they're looking at the plant that they're eating and the plant that they're going to eat next and the plant they're going to eat next and their their head is down as they're eating moving from plant to plant and then they'll eventually look up and they'll find themselves separated from their flock lost they, they didn't mean to get lost all they were doing was what came naturally to them they, they didn't consciously choose to wander from the flock but after a while, they just looked up and they, they were nonetheless lost. Y'all are sheep, so you know what that's like, don't you? You never consciously chose to wander from God, but that doesn't mean that you're any less lost. You've just been preoccupied with any number of important things. School, family, career, And those things, you had your head down, maybe, and were so focused on them that when you finally looked up, you found yourself far from God. Or possibly when your head was down, you fell into a pit, into a hole, or wandered too close to a mountain lion, and then you look up and you're separated from your shepherd or from your flock, and you don't know what to do. Your preoccupations, even with good, important things, have distracted you possibly from the most important things. And now you're lost. In the second story, we find a woman who has some, uh, she has some coins, but one of them is lost. She has lost a coin. Now, what stands out to me in this story is that unlike sheep, the coin didn't lose itself, right? Things don't do that. Uh, uh, no, for something to get lost, someone has to misplace it. In this case, the, the woman or, or someone else who was responsible for those coins was careless with them. Sometimes people find themselves lost in this world because uh, someone responsible for them or to them was careless with them. Maybe through neglect or abuse betrayal, or any, any number of ways. The, the point is, sometimes we find ourselves lost because someone hurt us, or because someone or, or some system didn't work for us and let us down. 
or, or that person chose to get behind the wheel after having had several drinks. You know, someone else was careless and it affected us and redirected our lives toward lostness. That happens a lot in this world. Maybe it's happened to you. In the last story, Jesus tells of a loving father who had two sons. The younger son really disrespected his dad by asking for um, his inheritance, his share of the inheritance, while his dad was still alive. Now, this, this uh, culturally was not appropriate. <laughs> this, was, this was not respectful. It was highly offensive and likened to saying, Dad, would you just hurry up and die so I can have what I will, you know, my inheritance. But the loving father obliged, not, not in the dying part, but in the, in, the, uh, in the giving the inheritance. And he gave his younger son uh, an inheritance, which uh, according to custom would have been a little bit, uh, would have been half as much as what his older brother would have received. His older brother would have had the ultimate responsibility of caring for uh, the household when his father passed away. So he needed uh, more to care for everyone who was dependent upon that household. But the younger brother would have gotten his inheritance. And, and Jesus tells in the story that he took that inheritance, ran off to a far off country and wasted it on, on parties and prostitutes. Uh, things that, w- that were clear violations of his father's will. Now, this younger brother exemplifies our third type of lostness. You see, sometimes we find ourselves lost because of our own blatant rebellion. We weren't somewhat cluelessly preoccupied. Someone wasn't careless with us. No, we we just simply chose our own path that was contrary to what we knew God's will was for us. We rebelled and decided that we knew better. I mean, the, the younger son, he thought that a life where he could do whatever he wanted was better than a life under his father's care and his father's direction. But he was wrong. And when his wild living eventually caught up with him, he realized, he realized just how lost he was. You been there? Lost because of your own poor choices? That you knew that you knew ahead of time we're going to break somebody's heart, maybe maybe God's heart, and yet you did it anyway. But I think Jesus' overarching point in these stories was this: that regardless of what precipitated the lostness, it's His mission to seek and save you. He says as much in another story, just a couple of chapters later, um, in Luke chapter 19, he, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. That's why Jesus came, to find and to save lost people. And this comes across, this comes across in three stories, in these three stories. Uh, at the end of each story, uh, you need to know that the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one who has unknowingly wandered off. The, the woman lights a lamp. She clears the house. She's, she searches diligently until she finds that lost coin. The, the father, he keeps watch for his younger son. And, and he sees him when he is still a far way off. And he runs to him and embraces him and he welcomes him home. And in each case, the shepherd and the woman and, and the father, they throw a party. 
a party, a no-holds-barred party. Cost, who cares? Party, they invite others to rejoice and to celebrate the finding of that which is lost. In fact, Jesus makes it clear that this reflects the heart of God, that God longs, he longs to bring his lost children home. And when he does, there is much rejoicing. Jesus says as much at the end of the first story. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In other words, Jesus responded to the grumbles without apology but by clearly articulating his mission to seek and save the lost, regardless, regardless of the reasons behind the lostness. I kind of wish Jesus would have stopped there, but he didn't. There's more. He still had one more category of lostness to identify. And this one, uh, friends, if you think Jesus was just all nice and sweet, uh, you read this and you know, oh my goodness, Jesus went right for the throat. Uh, he unmistakably targets the grumblers themselves in his next illustration of lostness. You see, in that third story with the two brothers, the older brother grumbled against his father in a very similar way that these religious leaders were grumbling against Jesus himself. He didn't like the way that his father welcomed back his rebellious brother. You see, his, his brother's return uh, he had already received his inheritance and wasted it. So he's coming back, and whose inheritance is left? The older brothers. So this younger brother is coming back, and it's going to cost the older brother something. It's going to cost the father something, and the older brother eventually too. And he didn't like that. He didn't agree with his father's heart that longed to see his wayward brother return home no matter what the cost. And Jesus powerful twist on this story is that there's actually a fourth type of lostness. It's the lostness of self-righteousness. Where like the older brother, you think, you think that your good outward behavior has kept you in right standing with God, even though your heart has not been aligned with the Father's heart. As evidenced most frequently uh, by a heart that is geared more towards self than it is toward Jesus' mission of seeking and saving the lost. And this is where Jesus seems to stir it up a little bit because the moment our self-righteousness gets in the way of, of Jesus' mission that he wants us to live out, the minute it gets in the way, we're on shaky ground. You see, Jesus' heart for lost people, uh, for, for sinners, for those who were on the outside and they knew it, they were drawn to Jesus. He, he didn't make them feel worthless. He made them feel valued. He, he, he made them feel loved. But by the way that he related to and treated them, Jesus made them want to know more about God. He, he made them want to get closer to God. He, he broke down barriers for them to experiencing God's love uh, ra rather than building walls to keep them from God. And I believe that's what Jesus wants from the church today. That's what he wants from us. He doesn't want us to push people away. He wants us to lay down our lives, our selves, our preferences, uh, all of those things that might keep other people away to make his love and his grace more accessible to those who are far from him. That, that's the heart of God. And I want you to know as your pastoral leader, as the chief shepherd over this flock that God has entrusted to me, 
Uh, by the way, did I say that you look great? You're great looking sheep. Uh, and it's my desire and my intention uh, to regularly, ongoingly lead in such a way that Jesus' mission is our mission. Because Jesus loved me when I was on the outside. Some of you have heard my story. Uh, just in a nutshell, I didn't grow up in the church. And, and God reached me through the church, nonetheless. And, and he loved me when I was an outsider. And, and so he's put in me a, a heart for the outsider. And I'm willing to lay down my preferences or the ways that I've always done things in order to more effectively redirect a lost person to Jesus. You know, from the way that we utilize our space in this building to the number of greeters you see, to the ministries that we promote, to the signage around the church building, to our social media presence, to our staff hires, to the clothes that I wear, or the, the ministries and budget things that we prioritize. You have my commitment to lead with Jesus' heart for those on the outside, for those who are lost, regardless of the reason. And some of you, some of you love that. Like inside, you're saying, amen. You never say that out loud, but you'll, you'll say it in your heart. You'll say, amen. Uh, and I hope that you still love it if and when the best way to reach others means you give up your preferences. I hope you're not grumbling then. But hear this, even if you do, even if you discover somewhere along the way that your heart isn't as closely aligned to that of the fathers as you thought, there's still good news. There is good news for you because regardless of whether you are lost because of preoccupation or someone else's carelessness with you or because of your own rebellion or a smug, self-righteous, self-centered heart, Jesus came to seek and to save you. He made that evident on the night that he was betrayed. In taking bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, his followers, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you get together, eat it and remember me. Likewise, after the meal, he took a cup, and after giving thanks to God the Father for it, he gave it to his friends, his disciples, and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And for many. It is the forgiveness of sin. Every time you get together, drink it and remember me. Would you pray with me, please? God Almighty, we pray that you would pour your spirit out on us today. And on these gifts of bread and juice, Lord, would you make them become for us powerful symbols of your body broken for us, your blood shed for us, that we might be your body of Christ, broken in ministry to this world redeemed by your blood. Lord, make us one with each other 
as you make us one with you and one in ministry to all the world, laying down our preferences, laying down anything of ourselves so that others might experience your love and your grace until you come again and we celebrate your final victory around your heavenly banquet table. All honor and glory are yours, almighty God, both now and forever. Amen. I know many of you are our guests today. Uh, please know that in this part of our worship service, uh, everybody is welcome. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a United Methodist. All you need to do is sincerely in your heart desire to turn from yourself and turn toward God. And if that's you, you are welcome to participate in this part of our meal. If those who are helping to serve community, you can come to the two stations. We'll have two stations here in the front. Uh, you can come by the center aisle as the ushers direct and then um, take a piece of bread. There are gluten-free options at each station and then uh, consume that, eat that, and then, then uh, take a cup and you can drink that. Um, and then you can leave the cups on the side in, in the little uh, receptacles on the side walls. You might also just recognize your own lostness for whatever reason. And uh, open invitation uh, just to spend some time at one of the prayer stations on the side. Um, it's just time for you to come into God's presence. This time is set aside for you. So won't you come? <laughs>